life is all about relationships. From the moment that we are born to the moment we leave this world, our life is full of relationships. Some of them make our lives better, some of them not so much. But one thing that we all understand, that we all see, is that relationships are at the heart of every single one of our lives. Matter of fact, what's interesting is Northwestern Medicine recently did a survey to show the importance of healthy, strong relationships in the lives of people. In this study, they found that if you have strong and healthy relationships in your life, you're going to have less stress, you're going to have healthy life behaviors and habits, and you're actually going to wind up living longer. That's pretty incredible when you think about the importance of the relationships we have on the impact of our lives, even the longevity of our lives. And see, I think that the reason that relationships are such a vital part of our life is because that's exactly how God designed it. God designed relationships to be a huge part of our human experience. Think about it this way. When God created us, he created us for relationships. Obviously, he created us for a relationship with him. And no matter where you're looking in life, from your career to your family to entertainment to desire, you're never going to be completely satisfied until you find that satisfying relationship with your creator. But more than that, it's not just that we were created for a relationship with God. We were created for a relationship with others. In the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis, we see that God said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he made woman, and they had a relationship. So relationships are something that we're made for, but I think it even goes beyond that. Relationships are something that we're made from. We're not just created for relationship, we're created from a relationship. Now, I think obviously, specifically, that means that we're created from a relationship between our mother and our father, but I'm speaking even more generically. Adam, the first man, was created from a relationship. And here's what I mean. We believe that the God of the Bible is a triune God, which means he is one being that exists in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that one being had a perfect relationship within himself amongst the three persons of the Trinity, and you and I were not created because God needed somebody to have a relationship with, but we were created out of an overflow of the perfect relationship relationship that God had within himself. That's incredible, but it explains why relationships are so important for every single one of us. And I really think that's why we are drawn to the book of Ruth. We started this series in Ruth last week, and we're going to continue it this week and the next. But I think one of the reasons that Ruth is such a popular book is because Ruth is a story that is centered on relationships. The story of Ruth includes very three, very clear, very distinct relationships. And we saw last week the relationship between Elimelech and Naomi and how they made some decisions that led them to struggle. Next week, we're going to look at the relationship between uh, Ruth and Boaz. It's a romantic relationship that leaves an incredible legacy. But this week, we're going to zero in on the relationship between Naomi and Ruth. 
It was a relationship that existed, but it grew into a stronger, healthier relationship through the course of this book, uh, through this week. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the relationship between Naomi and Ruth. It's a relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And what we're going to see in this relationship is some different traits of relationships that you and I should be striving for. Why? Because we know that families that last are built on strong relationships. That's been our focus in this series, having families that last. And you're not going to have a family that lasts unless that family is built on strong relationships. And here's the thing that you have to keep in mind. Those don't just happen. Those don't just happen by accident. We have to work for, we have to strive for these relationships. Healthy relationships don't just happen. Matter of fact, not every relationship that you've experienced, I'm certain, has been a healthy one. You're well aware that there is unhealthy relationships and you're aware of the negative impact they can have on our lives. Let me, let me read you a quote by one of my favorite pastors, Adrian Rogers. This is what he said. Unfortunately, we live in a world in which sin mars our relationships. From the moment sin entered the world, it began to unravel the fabric that binds us to other people. And as a result, there are many unhealthy relationships. It can be a challenge, however, to determine if a relationship is unhealthy. People are complex and interactions can be confusing. On top of this, many people were never taught what good relationships look like. They grew up in chaotic, broken homes where conflict was the norm. This can make it all the more challenging to identify those toxic relationships. Thankfully, God has given us the Bible, and in the pages of Scripture, we see what good, God-honoring, healthy relationships look like. We also get a clear understanding of what unhealthy relationships look like. And then he goes on to list seven characteristics, seven behaviors that create these unhealthy relationships. Abuse, bitterness, lack of love, excessive anger, gossip, unfaithfulness, criticism. And unfortunately, we see these markers in so many of our relationships today. Look right now at the national headlines of the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial. You want to talk about an unhealthy relationship? I think all seven of these characteristics were exhibited in their relationship. So if we want to have a family that's last built on strong relationships, we have to work to make those relationships strong. We have to strive to make those relationships healthy. And so we're going to take some time, continue our study through Ruth, and pull out some traits from this story that can make our relationships strong and healthy. So if you got your Bible, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Next week, we're going to hit the fast forward button. But for right now, let's start in Ruth chapter 1, verse number 8. You can read it with me. It says this. I'm sorry, verse number 6. It says, she and her daughter-in-laws, that's Naomi and her daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, she and her daughter-in-laws set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's need by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. So if you were with us last week, you know what's happening. We saw Elimelech and Naomi, their two sons, Malon and Shilion, leave Bethlehem against the direction of God and to go seek a living in the land of Moab. While in Moab, Elimelech died, Malon died, Shilion died, and so Naomi is left alone with her two Moabitess daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And we read here that Naomi gets word that God is providing for his people 
can we remind you, just as he said he would, but that God is providing for his people in the nation of Israel. And so she turns to go back. Pick up reading in verse 8. It says, Naomi said to them, her daughter-in-laws, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed him and they wept loudly. And they said to her, We insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourself from remarrying? No, my daughters. My life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So here we see Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth beginning their journey back to Judah. And all along the way, Naomi turns to Orpah and she turns to Ruth and says, Guys, go home. Don't come with me. You're going to be foreigners in a land that you're unfamiliar with. You're going to be treated as outsiders. Go home. And it's interesting that she says, if you look at the text, go to your mother's house. Now, we don't think anything of that today in 2022, but in this time, it was always called the father's house. Go back home to your father's house. Matter of fact, all over scripture, we see homes called the father's house. But I think this is Naomi's way of reminding Orpah and Ruth, I'm not your mama. Go back home. Be with your family. I think Naomi's looking out for the best in these girls. Hey, go seek a, a remarriage. Seek to have kids. May the Lord bless you. And they said, no, we, we want to go with you, Naomi. We want to go back with you. And Naomi says, if you come with me, my life is bitter. Naomi says, or at least she believes, the Lord's hand is against me. And, and even if I could remarry, even if I could have kids, are you going to wait for them to grow up so that you can marry them? These girls, Orpah and Ruth, were probably in their early 20s at this point. She says, no, go home. And then in verse 14, it says, again, they wept loudly. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. That's an incredible verse. It's a very important verse. Because what we see here for the second time is Orpah and Ruth crying, weeping loudly because they're leaving, or Naomi's telling them to leave and go home. And I think that weeping loudly is an indication of the love that they had for Naomi. And yet, though they both love Naomi, Orpah and Ruth made two different choices. Orpah went back home. She hugged Naomi kissed her on the cheek, and then she went back home. But it says here in the text that Ruth clung to her. That word is actually the same word that we read in Genesis where marriage is described as the leaving of one's mother and father and cleaving or clinging to a spouse. It's the same word. Ruth clings to Naomi. And so, man, maybe it's important for us to mention right here, sometimes to have a strong and healthy relationship, love is not enough. When it comes to having family that lasts, love is not enough. Yes, you can love your children. doesn't mean you're going to have a healthy relationship with them. You can love your, your wife. doesn't mean you're going to have a healthy relationship. You can love your brothers and sisters. It doesn't mean you're going to have a healthy relationship. Both Orva and Ruth love Naomi. Ruth made a choice to stay with her. 
Sometimes healthy relationships come down to the choices we make, not just the emotions that we feel. And in verse 15, Naomi comes to Ruth again and says, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. But then Ruth replies. Now, this is huge because Ruth's reply is one of the most famous pieces of literature in the Old Testament. You may have even heard this at a wedding before, not because of a romantic relationship between Ruth and Naomi, but because of the covenantal nature of what Ruth is going to pledge Naomi. And when we get done reading it, I'll unpack what I mean by covenantal nature. Look at this. It says, Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. So this is a very covenantal pledge that Ruth makes to Naomi. And what I mean by that is this. Ruth says, look, don't plead with me to go home. Here's what I'm willing to do. And then she lists out what she's willing to do. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. The people that are your people, they're going to be my people. And more importantly, the God you serve is now going to be my God. This is huge because remember, Ruth was a Moabitess. She had lived with uh, Naomi and her family. She has seen the one true God of the Hebrews, but now she's pledging to make the true God her God. And then she goes on and says, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. So she says, Naomi, I'm making these promises. I'm making this commitment to you. And then the covenantal language is really sealed when she says, May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. What she was saying is, if I break this commitment, if I break this pledge, may the Lord judge me. That was an invocation of the Lord to seal the covenant that she was making here with Naomi. In verse 18, it says, When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking with her. Now, I don't think that's because she's mad. I think she's overwhelmed with emotion. And it says, The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. And when they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival. And the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Now, I think there's, there's two ways that you read that. The first way is that you read that and says, oh, the whole town was excited. Is this Naomi? Did she come back and they're happy and buzzing? That may not exactly be what the author is indicating here. That word excited may better be translated excitable. Another, uh, another translation of that word is to murmur. So I think the idea is is that when Naomi came back in town, she looked so different from who she was when she had left years before. She was very unrecognizable, and she created a murmur among the town of Bethlehem. Is that Naomi? There's no way that can be Naomi. That's not who Naomi was when she left. And if you remember last week, Naomi's name meant pleasant. She didn't look very pleasant anymore. Verse 19, or I'm sorry, in verse 20, Naomi gets wind of this. And she says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, she answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. 
Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So here we really hear Naomi's heart. She's sharing her heart and she's sharing her hurt with the women. Why do you look so different, Naomi? Do you want to know why I look different? Because my world has been snatched away. Because everything that God had given me, he has taken away. I've lost it all. She says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, for I am bitter. She says, the Almighty has made me bitter. I can't imagine the loss that Naomi was feeling at this point. She had lost her husband. She had lost her sons. One of her daughter-in-laws has left and went back home. And now she has to turn tail and really kind of come back to Bethlehem where she had left for greener pastures. She has to come back admitting defeat, experiencing loss. I can't imagine the overwhelming hurt that Naomi felt in that moment. And I think Naomi was being very honest. When you hear her words, when you read her words here towards the end of chapter 1, she thinks that she's lost everything. She thinks that that God hates her. She thinks that God has turned his back on her. But what she can't see is that he's still working. What she can't see, and we said this last week, is even in the hardest moments of her life, God is at work laying the building blocks for his plans for her future. What does she say there in verse 21? She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. I went away with everything. I came back with nothing. But that's what it felt like. That wasn't reality. Look at the very next verse, chapter, verse 22. It says, so Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabitess. You didn't come back empty, Naomi. You have Ruth. You don't know how important that is yet, but God does. God has given you Ruth. You're not empty. It says they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Continue reading just a few verses into chapter 2. Now Naomi had, wait a minute, I thought she didn't have anything. She has Ruth and now she has this, a relative on her husband's side. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. It's another building block that God is laying down for her future. Verse 2 says, Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone in whom I find favor? Naomi answered her, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. And I love this phrase. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. Now, if you've been at the orchard before, you know one of our favorite sayings are, it just so happens, never just happens. Ruth did not just happen to wind up in Naomi's kinsman Boaz's field. She was there because God was making provision and that God was guiding and directing and pulling together the broken pieces of Naomi's life to leave an incredible legacy for their family and for their country. So while Naomi may have felt like God had emptied her of everything, she had Ruth, she had Boaz, and next week we're going to see how God uses that in an incredible way. But what I want to do now as we kind of draw a point to this, especially when it comes to our families and our relationships, is look at some very obvious characteristics that we see between the, of the relationship between Naomi and Ruth and how those characteristics can help us build healthy relationships in our own lives. 
I think the first thing that you're going to see here is a key component of a healthy relationship is consideration. Consideration for each other. Go back and read what we talked about at the beginning about how Naomi considered the needs of her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And she says, girls, go back home. I can't give you what you need. I can't provide for you another son to marry so that you may have kids. And so while no doubt Naomi wanted company, she wanted support, she wanted them to stay out of consideration for the girls, she says go. Consideration for others is a huge part of a healthy relationship. If you are all about you, you are going to have a hard time having a healthy relationship. But you don't just see it from Naomi, you see it from Ruth. When they get into Bethlehem, Ruth knows the depression that Naomi is overwhelmed with and she is sensitive to the emotional and physical limitations that Naomi has and says, Naomi, I'm going to go into the field and find food. I'm going to go find us some provision. And so now she is saying, Naomi, you're not physically able to do this. It's been a long journey back. Naomi, you're not emotionally able to do this. You are overwhelmed with sorrow, grief, and bitterness. Let me care for you. So I think one of the building blocks of a healthy relationship we can clearly see is consideration for each other. Second thing is we see the commitment to each other. Now we've already talked about this for a good bit, but Naomi's com- or Ruth's commitment to Naomi is absolutely staggering. The commitment that she makes, she vows herself to be committed to Naomi completely. And can I tell you, you're not going to have a healthy relationship, whether it be with your kids, with your friends, with your significant other, whatever. You're not going to have a healthy relationship without commitment. You know why? Because in every relationship, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. And if when you're in one of those down moments, you're looking for a door to make an exit, you're never going to get to the next up. And you're never going to make it to the place of a long-standing healthy relationship. For us to have healthy relationships, we got to have commitment. But then the third thing is this, conversation. Conversation. Now, in fairness, we didn't get to see a lot of it this week. We saw a sneak peek in those last verses we read in chapter 2. But next week, as we look at the relationship between Ruth and Boaz, we're going to see that Naomi and Ruth talk about this a lot. Naomi and Ruth have conversation after conversation thinking about how to handle what's happening. What should we do next? And man, what a picture of a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship has constant conversation where we talk about the things that are happening in our life, the things we want to see happen in our lives, what the next thing we need to do in our lives are. So I think very clearly as we've looked at this story of Ruth and Naomi, they show us three clear pieces of a healthy relationship. Consideration for each other, commitment to each other, and conversation with each other. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you got to have those things. Not just a healthy romantic relationship, but just a healthy relationship. So let me end with just a few practical thoughts for you as we're running out of time. First thing is this, strong relationships strengthen us in our struggles. Now, we talked about our struggles last week and where we picked up reading this week. We clearly see Naomi is struggling. Naomi is at the lowest point of her life, but her relationship with Ruth gives her strength to make it through to the other side. You and I need those relationships. 
look at me. You are not meant to do this by yourself. You need people in your life who can support you, encourage you, love you, and care for you. Strong relationships will strengthen you for your struggles. Second thing is this. Those strong relationships aren't just going to happen. You can sit back and you can say, well, I wish I had some of those relationships, but nobody likes me or nobody or whatever. Look at me. Do you know who's in control of building relationships for you? You. You got to put in effort. You got to have intention. These things don't just fall in our laps. Strong relationships don't just happen. You got to go out and work to build them. Third thing, strong relationships are best founded on a spiritual foundation. Now, I think this is huge. One of the biggest things that a Jewish audience would see in Ruth is that Ruth was not Jewish. She was a Moabitess, and there was no doubt that she worshipped the false gods of the nation of Moab. But in her relationship with Naomi, she said, Your God is going to be my God. She puts her faith in the true God of the nation of Israel. And listen to me. If we are going to have a strong foundation with others in our lives for these strong relationships, it's got to be built on the same spiritual foundation. This is true in every relationship. But listen, it is exceptionally true in our romantic relationships. You might have heard people say this over and over and over, and if that's the case, I'm going to say it again. You don't need to date, you don't need to marry people who don't share your faith. If you do, you are laying an unstable foundation that will be nearly impossible to build the relationship you're looking for on. Build on a same strong spiritual foundation. Last thing is this, strong relationships are maintained on a daily basis. These things have to be kept up. Imagine Ruth and Naomi talked on their journey. Now I know it read in there that it says that Naomi stopped talking to her. I don't think we have to think that means forever. Obviously they talk in the book, but I think it meant that in that moment she was so overwhelmed with emotion. I think what we see in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 is that these ladies talk all the time. They work on the relationship all the time. They care for each other. They communicate with each other. They renew their commitment to each other every single day. And you you need to do the same. If you want strong relationships in your life, you got to work on them every day. Don't fall into the temptation of putting it into neutral and just letting it go. You need to work on it. We need these strong relationships because these strong relationships are how we're going to build a family that lasts. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for the day. God, thanks for the time to be with my friends. And I pray that you would help them to build strong relationships in their life. And that these relationships would be intentional and they would be built on a solid foundation of a shared faith, a relationship with you. So God, I pray now that you would strengthen us through these relationships for the struggles that may lie ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.